you know, I'm reminded in the early morning press, this, this year's early morning press was just so outstanding. And I remembered Sean when he took the third morning and he asked a question from the Westminster Catechism. He says, what is the chief end of man? In other words, what is the final real purpose of man? Do you know what is the chief end of man? The Westminster Catechism says, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Amen. Amen. Come, let's say, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Amen. You know, we need to learn how precious is it to even have time away from all our concerns, away from everything, and just to enjoy Him. I nearly wanted to change this weekend to be that kind of an encounter weekend. I nearly did. Because I really felt we need to enter the year knowing really who our God is, worshipping Him, enthroning Him, loving Him above all else, wanting Him to be the centre of our lives. And that is really where we are going. Yeah, I'm finding it hard just to come to my sermon now. You know, we are in the season of transition and we're entering 2024 and the Lord has given us this beautiful theme, strong church, strong generation. So why don't you just repeat after, just, just shout it out. What's the theme of 2024? Everybody shout. The gallery. Do you want to stay strong? Come, all of us. Can we do it? One, two, three, go. One more time. And so, you know, we want to, past you and I, as we think about this is a year of transition, what is it that will make SIB strong? What is it that will cause SIB to not just have strong for a few years, but for a thousand generations? That means, you know, uh, even all our children, they and their children's children and the children's children, even for a thousand generations, will always have a strong faith in God and a strong love for God. And this is where the Lord just, I, I just love this verse that the Lord gave me. And it's really that uh, found in, actually it's found in Exodus. I don't know why it's not clicking. Okay, here it is. Oh, sorry. It's the slide before that. Forgive me. All right. This is the verse that I really like. That God gave to Moses right at the beginning as God met Moses on Mount Sinai. God began to speak to Moses. And he started by saying, do you know, you're a very special group of people. I've taken you out of slavery and brought you to myself. You mustn't have any other gods or any other thing that will replace me because I am the God that's going to lavish my love upon you, not just upon you, but for a thousand generations. Amen? To those who love me and obey me. Isn't that amazing? How many of you would love it that God's love for us can go down to our children and our children's children for a thousand generations. How many of us would love it? I would. I would. That's why we have children, right? And as a pastor of this church, what is it that we would really love to see in SIBKL is that the God will always lavish His unfailing love a thousand generations, long after all these pastors have come and gone and whatever pastors are coming, wherever we are, God is going to lavish His love upon us for a thousand generations. You know, just, just to think about it, 
Some of us think that idols and we don't know. And, and the Lord just put in my heart one day, why try replacing me, the Lord said. Try replacing me and you will find that it will not be as great as I am. Actually, I don't want to go there because it's like the Lord was showing. You try it, you try it. Take all these things and you replace me. And God is saying to us, when He comes into our lives, when He came to Israel, it was not just for one generation. It was for a thousand generations. When SIB, you know, if you ask me, what has happened in the last 30 years? What has kept SIB going? What has caused SIB to be the kind of church that it is? Really, it's not about us. It's not about our programs. It's really about the love of God that truly Jesus, God, has been at the center of our lives and, his un and He has lavished, lavished His unfailing love to us for, a and for my generation and I believe for a thousand generations after we are gone, long after we are gone, SIB, God will still lavish His love on you for a thousand generations. And if you agree, say, yes, we want it. Do you want it? Do you want it? Do you want it in the gallery? Amen. Amen. And that is why 2024, God has given a word. How will God lavish His love upon us for thousands of generations when we learn to build the prayer altar? So it's right. Today I'm going to share with you what is a prayer altar? Why is the prayer altar the essence to allow God to come to us and lavish His love, to keep this covenant of love with us for thousands of generations? And if we get it right, and we build our family altars, and we build our church altars, if we build even the next-gen altars, the children's altars, it will go down long after we are gone, long after. And look at them. I want strong rally, and they're kneeling already. What more if you have strong altars every day? They will be constantly be able to come and know God as their Savior. Now, let's read this verse together. One, two, three. Go. Exodus 2024. So what is the verse for 2024? Exodus 2024. Amen? So if in case you know you're going through hardship, you're going through trials, you're going through difficulties, whatever is happening this year, remember 2024, Exodus 2024. Ask yourself, am I building an altar? Amen? So one, two, three, read it. Top to bottom, left to right. One, two, three, go. Make an altar of earth for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, your sheep and goats and your cattle. Wherever I cause my name to be honoured, I will come to you and bless you. What a privilege! God says, I will come to you. Isn't that amazing? What a promise! How many of you want God to come to you and to bless you in 2024? Gosh, if you don't want, you must be, you must be crazy, right? God Himself, the Creator, is not in the idol. That's it. The idol cannot do that. And God says, I will come to you. I will bless you. If the first thing is, when you build the altar, honour my name. So the key element of the altar is all about God. Reverence for God. An honour for God. A lifting of God. Knowing who He is. Connected with Him. Memuliakan nama Tuhan. Our Father in Heaven. Hallowed be your name. The difference between a prayer altar and a prayer meeting is this. In a prayer meeting or in our normal prayer times, number one, prayer is not just a devotional exercise, a religious exercise. It's not. Prayer is not trying to prove to ourselves we are more better than another person. Prayer is also not about all our problems and all our needs. Yes, 
that it, 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 it does come, but it's not the essence. If indeed we come into a moment of prayer and all we think about is our problems, our problems, our problems, and all our needs, what will happen is this. If our prayers are not answered, after a while, we give up praying. You know why? Because there's a frustration within us. We will begin to say, I'm not good enough, I'm not holy enough, I've been singing, I don't know what it means, you know, I'm not holy enough, I'm not good enough, or it is that this God is not able, or God doesn't really care. So after a while, there's a frustration in our relationship with God. The second type of thing could be this. As you pray, your prayers got answered. I've prayed for many people. They ask, they come and ask, you know, can you please pray for my job? I want this job. Can you pray for my children? I want this. Can you pray for my, uh, my, my disease to be gone? Do you know something? Very, 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 very often. In fact, I saw this person. That child was healed of a, of a, a, a difficult disease, necrotizing enterocolitis. You don't know what this is. It sounds very nice. Don't name your children after it though. Necrotizing enterocolitis. We prayed, and that child was healed. Today, that family is not in church at all. The moment they're healed, the moment they have got their request, the moment they get their child, the child keeps them so busy, they've forgotten about God. So what is the point of a prayer like that? So prayer alters is not about our needs. It's not about our problems. It's not even about our requests. All that will come. All that is a result of God coming to us and blessing us. The key thing in a prayer altar is God comes to us. If God doesn't come to us, if God doesn't come into our space, how can He bless us? So that's the key. The key to the altar is the presence of God. That is it. Now, the presence of God is not a feeling. It is not just goosebumps. Definitely the presence of God was there. The presence of God is the glory of God. The whole glory of God comes from heaven to earth. And when God says, my presence comes to you, it is more than just coming and going. In fact, when God says, build me an altar, now, let me show you what happened to Moses, all right? Moses was a really clever guy, clever guy. When God spoke to Moses, as the children of Israel journeyed from, uh, from Egypt right into the promised land, God said to him, you must make me a sanctuary where I will be able to dwell among you. So what is the presence of God? The presence of God is the fact that God wants to habitate, live inside us. So much so that we wake up in the morning, not only will we say, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we can say, my heart is the dwelling place of God. Where is the altar? People ask me, how come there's altar in the New Testament? I thought it's an Old Testament stuff. Not true. Romans 12 verse 1 says, I present my bodies as a living sacrifice. What is he doing? He's pre preparing an altar. So each morning, as we come before the Lord, we're not just coming to pray some prayers and hope for the best and our days go, go by. We're coming to present ourselves. Lord, my heart, you know, I, I, I would do that now and then. Lord, I come before you. I bless you, O Lord God. My heart is the place of your altar. That is where it comes. And do you know, Moses was really, you know, God actually said to Moses, I'm going to send my angel ahead of you into the promised land. My angels will go with you. Now, I'm going to say this to you. If God promised to you, 
I'm going to send my angels into your household. I'm going to send my angels with you to go into your workplace. And you know, Isaac, if God said to you, I'm going to send my angels to SIB. How many of you think that's a great thing and you would love it? Come on, be truthful. I would love it, right? But not, not Moses. To him, he said, no. Even if he sent angel, I said, what does he want? He said, I would like that you go with us. And you know what? The Lord says, yes, my presence shall go with you. In other words, the main desire of God is to dwell in our midst, is to be habitating in our midst. It's not a come and go. So the whole thing is that when the presence of God comes, now if you look at this verse, it says, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. That is the posture we must take to enter in the year of transition. In everything that we do, in every program that we, we try to run, in every meeting that we, uh, the way we do ourselves, we should say this thing, Lord, at the center of this cell group, next week, Pastor Isaac is going to share that, at the center of our programs, at the center of our 30th anniversary, your presence must go with us. That is the essence. If you ask me, what has caused SIB to be what it is? Actually, it is the altar. The altars in the church and the altars in our personal lives. In SIB, prayer is not a ministry. It is not. It is a lifestyle. It is the essence of us. If you want to ask people, uh, you know, if people ask you, what is the essence of SIB? Actually, it is the altars. It is the altars that has kept the fire going. It is the altars that have kept God or rather, that has made us desire the presence of God. So the key is this. If the essence of the altar, the main focus of the altar is the presence of God, we need to ask ourselves, what is it that will cause, invite God to want to be present with us? I don't know about you, but you know, some people, they don't want to draw near some people, right? Now, don't tell me who. They say, oh, yeah, no, I don't, want, I don't want to go there. Why? Because the relationship is soured. In, but... What is it then that will cause God to be repelled from coming to us? And what is it that will make God want to dwell among us? Do you know something? I told you the early morning prayer was a very powerful beginning of the year. Pastor Isaac started the whole of the early morning prayer with this beautiful, you should look at it in your Bible, Isaiah 66. Isaiah 66, look at it. God says to Isaiah, verse 1, The heaven is my throne. The earth is only my footstool. What kind of house can you build for me? Where is the place of my dwelling? Where will I find rest? Where, will, where, will, where can I rest and dwell amongst? The heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. What kind of house can we build for God? Is it a building? Is it the programs? What kind of house will cause God to dwell in our midst? And why is that so important? Why is it so important that we need the presence of God? Because the presence of God is what will repel darkness. We all know that as the, we are going towards the end of the age, darkness is at an increasing ferocity. And because of that, do you know something? The evil one is not afraid of our programs, of our preaching, of all the rallies that we do, but he is afraid when the presence of God comes. If you and I, are going through something in our home, our taman, or if you're walking in, in your office, something is not right, and you feel forces of darkness, 
the key to it is actually the presence of God. You should then build an altar. You should begin to build an altar in the office, in your home, and begin to invite the presence of God comes. Because when the presence of God comes, the darkness has to flee. How many of you agree with me? Amen. Amen. Which is why the church must have strong altars. The key to a church is not the sermons. The key to the church is the prayer altars. We just had Pastor James Kawaya, and he comes from the dark side. You know, we should actually send his testimony out for all the leaders to, to listen so that they can send it to their friends. He comes from the dark side. And he said to us, in any church where there is no prayer altars, it doesn't matter how great are their programs or their preaching. The dark, the dark side, the demonic spirits can attack and can run havoc. It will cause confusion, it will cause division, it will do all kinds of things. But whenever he said there is a prayer altar in the church, actually, the evil one and his angels dare not go in. Why? Because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is here. Amen? Do you agree with me? Do you agree? Some of you are not sure. You better be sure. You better be sure. Let me tell you a story. Do you know, may I, I'm going to start with a story this time. Way back in Sabah, my house was broken into uh, one night. And the thieves couldn't find anything. So they woke my husband and us up to try and tell, tell him. So they took Pastor Chiu out to look for, to ask him where the things were. The moment the thief came into my house, suddenly I was woken up. And do you know what the first thing I did? I think because I have been seasoned, trained to host the presence of God, immediately after praying for, in tongues for a while, I looked at the thief and I said, Dalam nama Tuhan Yesus, saya ikat engkau. And he fell backwards. And he ran out of the room. You don't believe me, right, at the top? I don't tell stories that are made up, okay? And he ran out, but he didn't like fall like that. He didn't fall, but he, he, he staggered and he went out of the room. When I saw that, I said, oh, wow, the power of Jesus. So I began to pray in tongues. Wow, louder and louder. Wow, this is it, man. I dashat suda, you know. Uh, this was my moment, you know. So I prayed louder. Pastor Chiu later on told me, he, even he could hear it downstairs. Then the thief started coming in because his friend told him, better go in, tell her not to make so much noise. Came in, came in quietly and then said to me, eh, jangan bising ya, jangan bising ya. <laughs> and I looked at him. The Spirit of the Lord just rose up within me. And I said to him, Saya bukan bising, hanya berdoa. Boleh tak? Oh, 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 okay. And he went out. This is the presence of God. Honestly, there are a lot more stories. But I'm just telling you one. No time to tell you so much. You need to come to our prayer altars, alright? The second thing the prayer altar is, when God says, I will come to you and bless you, He's saying to you and to me, I will shower my favor upon you. Wow, how many of you want to have the favor of God in our lives? <laughs> Honestly, one of the things I pray for my children is that, Lord, that they may find favor with you so that when they go to school, they will have favor. When they go to work, they will have favor. And when SIB, all these programs that we have, you have heard Pastor Chu says, go, you know what? 2023, Malam Pentecostal, uh, uh, tribal gathering, 
programs, people coming, you know, salvation, all these things that are happening, children's rally, children able to prostrate themselves. This is not automatic. It is the favor of God. Amen? Amen? Do you believe that or not? Look at Moses. Moses said this. Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. What a smart guy. That is the prayer we should pray. Lord, if you don't personally go with me into this transition, don't send us there. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me and on your people if you don't go with us? Do you know for Israel, the moment God left, Israel went down, down south until almost now. Do you know that? Because when God leaves, there's nothing left. It's an empty shell, no better than any religion on the face of this earth. What makes us different from the Buddhists, the Hindus, the whatever uh, religion out there? It's not the religious practices. What makes us different is the presence of God living inside us. If you agree, say amen. This is it. You want to know the secret of SIB? This is our secret. We caught the presence of God. We desire the presence of God. We are conscious when something in our heart is defiled and the presence of God is leaving. One of the great battles is to keep our heart right. That's the greatest battle that we fight when we are pastors here. Because all the time, the evil one will want to ruffle us up and we get angry, we get, go into all kinds of things. Frustrated, or disappointed, discouraged. But the key thing, no matter what happens, Pastor Chu and I will turn to each other and say, let's not defile our heart. Why? Because we desire the presence of God. Because without God's presence, there is nothing. There is nothing. There'll be no power. There'll be no favor. There'll be no peace. In fact, you often hear, Pastor Chu will say this very often. If you want to know if God is present, as you make that decision, is the peace of God resting upon you. As we go through all these conflicts, have we lost our joy? If you lose your joy, your peace, and your love, the presence of God is gone. So because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. So if all that goes, there is no presence of God. And that is what it means that the prayer altar is all about the presence of God. So I'm gonna do a bit of letting you know. Remember, I'm vision casting what has made SIB strong. If you do not have never been to our prayer altars, I'm going to invite you to this coming Tuesday and all the Tuesdays subsequent because we are eager to build a prayer altar. And we pray you will come and contribute to that prayer altar. So every Tuesday night, 8.30 to 10, every weekdays, we have altars, Tuesday to Saturday. Saturday, we also have altars, one at 7.30, one at 10 o'clock. So come to the altars, and if you're not satisfied, you still want more altars, online, MUFW has prayer altars every morning, Monday to Saturday, 6.30 to 8 o'clock, once a month, 24 hours. Why is that necessary? Because we know that the secret of power and authority is the presence of God. In fact, James Kawaya said this about Malaysia. Malaysia is an altar nation. Now, what does it mean? He says that God has desired that God wants to rest in Malaysia. And you know, he said this, you know, it's so amazing. He said, think of Elijah. Elijah at Mount Carmel, what did he do? He repaired the altar. So one of the major jobs 
from us on MGFW Malaysian Firewall, our major jobs is to go into churches, to go into denominations, to repair the, 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 the altars in their churches, in their homes, in their families, in the language groups. And I was so excited. The Tamil section is so excited. They are so eager to repair their altars. When Elijah repaired the altars, the fire of God came down from heaven to earth. That is what it means that when the God, when, when Malaysia has prayer altars like that, the fire of God comes from heaven to earth. In the same way, when the altars in your home, the fire of God comes from heaven to earth. The fire of God comes from heaven to earth in our church. And that is how we will move forward. Amen? Amen? Strong church, strong generations, strong altars. Everybody say, strong altars, strong church, strong generations. Now, question. How do we court God's presence? What must we do at the altar to enable God to come to us? What is it all about? Let me give you under these four C's. Number one, connecting to God. Everybody say connecting to God. Number two, communion with God. Number three, consecration. And then covenant. Now, let's just take this, unpackage this one by one. The first thing at the altar is to connect ourselves to God. Now, I'm going to ask you, how many of you here own a handphone? How many of you own a handphone? Some people don't own a handphone. I am shocked. Yeah. I'm sure you do. I'm going to ask you, can, how many of you have tried not charging your phone for one week? How many of you? You don't charge your phone for one week. Nobody, right? Nobody. Why do you do that? Because a handphone, without it plugged into the power source, is absolutely useless. It may be the latest iPhone 14 or 15 or whatever, but it'd be absolutely useless. In the same way, connecting to God is like this. Connecting to God is that on a regular basis, not now and then, not when we feel like it, not when we have no problems, or not when we have a lot of problems. Connecting to God is a bit like charging your handphone. Regularly, you're finding a time each morning or each day and a place where you go into this, what the Bible calls the, the secret place, and you're going to now in this place, connect to God. Now, how do you connect to God? You connect to God by worshipping Him, not just with songs, but with exalting Him using Scripture. Example, if you have gone through 2023, perhaps you have connected to God every morning by saying, Lord God, Jesus, you are my shepherd. Because you are my shepherd, Lord. 2023, I lack nothing. Yes, I went through difficult times. Yes, I went through dryness. But you know what, Lord Jesus? As I connected to you, you led me into green pastures. You led me beside still waters. Even in that incident where I had so much turmoil, there was a presence, oh Lord. I was still. And you restored my emotions. The soul is emotions. My thinking got right. I no longer was flustered and carried away by my upsetness. And because of that, I know, Lord, thank you, you led me into paths of making the right decisions. I realized you lead me to make the right decisions, not for my sake, for your own glory's sake, so that the end of my life, I can glorify your name. I thank you so much, even though I walk through darkness and its shadow of death. And there has been quite a lot of deaths, right? But your rod and your staff, it is comforting me. Lord, I thank you. 
you will spread a table for me, even the presence of my enemies. And Lord, I thank you so much. 2024 is the year I will be anointed with you, your oil, so that it will love, joy, peace will overflow from me, even to my family and to all my friends. Oh, Lord God, surely, 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 I will dwell in your house forever. Amen? Amen. That is called connecting to God. There's very little asking. There's very little of the problems. Yes, we have gone through problems. Yes, we have issues. But we have taken a truth about God. And we have anchored ourselves in that truth. There are lots that we do. Come this Tuesday and you see us anchor ourselves in some of the glorious truths of God. Every Tuesday you come. It is the truth of God that makes us connect to Him. It's not just simply praying. It's not pray, 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 you know, sing, sing, sing. It's not. That is why the worship time should not be just singing. It is connecting. If He's holy, what does it mean? If He's glorious, what does it mean? And when He says, I see Him seated high upon a throne, can I imagine it? Can I begin to imagine the throne is there and we are here? Do you know when you are connected to God, you have an open heaven? Because connecting to God opens up spiritual pathways. Heaven and earth are now connected. And that is why the angels ascend and descend, ascend and descend. Because in the altar, do you know the angels are ministering spirits sent to help us? The angels are waiting for us. So as they hear us worship God, they're taking that praise up to God. Then God is up there bringing some encouragement to us opening up the heavens to come down to us. And the angels now have work to do. Most of our angels are waiting, please do something. I'm getting very bored. <laughs> Let's activate our angels. Amen? That's how angelic activity comes about. Angelic activity don't come about when we're all sitting here and just watching me preach. Angelic activity came just now when we were worshipping and exalting Him. No matter how big was our problem, we began to fall prostrate before Him and say, Lord, You are God. There's nothing bigger than You, O Lord God. That's when angelic activity comes. Amen? That's the kind of worship. I pray, I told it to second service, that from now on, during the worship time, you want to come. The sen- you know something about the children of Israel? They whole encamped around the tabernacle. The tabernacle was the presence of God. The fire of God was burning day and night. And as they did that, it was the presence that really made the enemy scared of them and caused them to really be there together. In the same way, unfortunately, in today's world, The whole of this congregation and service is built around the pulpit. Nothing wrong, but it's not the main thing. The main thing is still the worship. That is the present. Imagine now, the glory comes and we just allow God to be present. We we abandon all our sermons. I really was threatened. I almost felt like abandoning my sermon just now, except that I thought if I abandon the sermon, they will kill me. (laughs) But you know, when the presence comes, you don't need to say anything. God will speak individually, precisely, concisely, and there will be a breakthrough because the heavens are now open. Do you desire that? Do you desire that? Would you rather that God come and speak to you than human beings just talk to you? Amen. That is where we are going. As you connect to God, as you begin to hallow God's name, do you know we have a whole training on how to hallow God's name? And if your cell is interested, 
I will send people to you to train you how the whole cell can hallow God's name. But as we do that, the next stage is communing with God. What does it mean to commune with God? John 15. I really felt I should have done cell notes on John 15, but I, I'm not going to do it. No time. I'm going to Uganda. John 15, Jesus says this, Abide in me, and I in you. Now think of it. Here's the king of glory. Here's the creator of the ends of the earth. And he comes to you, and he comes to me. And he says to me, invite me in. Invite me in. As you invite me in, I will stay with you, and you will stay with me. There was one moment when I was meditating in this, and I just fell and worshipped. I said, Lord, how could you even want to abide in my heart? Gosh, have you seen it? Even my husband knows that it's not great. And I know it's not great. And yet, in His mercy, this is the mercy of God. This is the greatness of God. The greatness of God is not all the signs and wonders. The greatness of God, He knows what's in our heart. Yet He says, invite me in. Invite me in. I want to live with you, and you will live with me. And as we live together, so look at the tree in that picture. Look at the tree in that picture. I, I love this tree. Its fruits are luscious. Why? Because those branches are not cut off from the, from the tree. Those branches are stuck to the tree. It's deep. It's not just even connected, like connected. It is inside the tree. That's communion. It's inside the tree. And as they do that, the tree is drawing water from the ground. All the fertilizers, all the nutrition. And as it does that, it sends it out to the branch. And the branch becomes so fruitful that it bears fruit. That is what Jesus is saying here. Jesus says, unless you abide in the vine, you cannot bear much fruit, right? As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you dwell in me. You and I are so deeply connected. We are in communion, but in fellowship. The, my, my joy becomes your joy. Your joy becomes my joy. Your love becomes my love. My love becomes your love. I'm the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Nothing that is valuable. If we want to, you know, overcome things, the secret is in the communion between God and us. And if you read John 15, it's nicely divided into three parts in the communion. Abide in me, that means hallow his name, enjoy him, begin to celebrate who Jesus is, take, take the verses of... Now, the second part is the most important, the word. The prayer altar, unlike a prayer meeting, must read the word. Actually, we don't read enough in the, because only one and a half hours. If you want to read our word, we need at least two hours. In my personal time, and this is how we train prayer altar training. Incidentally, this is a training that I go around training, not just to this. In fact, you're the church that I haven't trained. Uh, I go around other churches to train. In Sarawak, we do this to the BM churches. Uh, I just, I'm doing it to the Tamil churches and all these other churches, right? What is it that we're training them to do? To build this altar. In the altar, there must be firewood, right? If there's no firewood, there cannot be fire. What is the firewood that would burn the altar, that caused the altar to have a fire? It is the communion with God through His Word. You don't just read the odd verse here and there. 
In your personal altar, we actually train them to read five to ten chapters per day. Now, of course, certain days you can only do two or three. But in the average, you read the whole Bible in one year. What is the purpose of that? So that you will know God in all His glory. Not just a bit about God here and a bit about God there. And, and, and you're also able to ask and fellowship with the Holy Spirit around the Word of God. And because of that, God can now really abide in us and take us further to abide in His love and His whole deity. Let me share with you how it works. So, because reading the Bible is an essential part of the altar, and I read chunks, I don't just read one verse here and one verse there, because then we take it out of context. Many, many times, when God comes into that fellowship time, He will take a verse and go deeper in it. Example, there was a time when I was uh, uh, building my altar, way back in Sabah, and I think God needed to make sure I understood that this principle must be central in my life. If God is going to abide in me, if I'm going to be fruitful, if I'm going to enjoy God, this principle, He needs to teach me. So actually, the prayer altar time is the best discipleship time anybody can have. Some people ask me, did you have a mentor? I wish I had a mentor, but I think I had more tormentors than mentors. <laughs> yeah. But God was so good, He became my tutor. He became my discipler. He began to speak into my life. Actually, the altar time is also a deliverance time. Actually, if you spend, know how to engage with God and to be saturated with His love, God can do all kinds of deliverance. The best deliverance is still done by God Himself. The best tutoring, the best mentorship, the best discipleship is when Heavenly Father mentors and disciples you. Best. Because He's gentle, but He's firm. He's no nonsense, but He knows where He's going. So what happened was that I was watching this tree, and it was raining, and it was a thunderstorm, and the tree was a very small tree, and it was swaying and swaying, but the tree never, never breaks. So that's how the altar works. God will speak to you through elements your incidents in your life. And then he said to me, look at that tree. Even though it's so thin, its roots are deeply rooted. The key word was, its roots have gone very, very deep. Which is why no matter what happens, it cannot be shaken. Then he turned to me, you must grow a root into my love that is so deep, no matter what happens in your life, you will not be shaken. Then he gave me the verse. Ephesians chapter 3, I think it's verse 17 to 20. It says, first of all, your strength must come from inside. Pray that you'll be strengthened by the Holy Spirit on the inside. And then he said, for Christ wants to dwell in you. And the word dwell here is to live inside. Not, not like a hotel, right? Come and go. God wants to habit it. God wants to inhabit, uh, really be inside you. Then he said, now you read that verse, all right? Ephesians 3, I think, uh, verse, I think it's verse 19. That the Christ may dwell in your heart by faith, that you may be rooted, rooted and grounded, firmly established in the love of God for you. This love is beyond human understanding. Now, beyond human understanding, but God wants us to understand. That you will know the height, the depth, the length, the breadth, the love of God for you. And it is through that love that you will be able to overflow. In other words, God began to stabilize me and began to say, you must have no doubt that 500% I love you. And this love is going to help you to obey me, to follow me. 
Because the really, unless we obey and follow the Lord, there is no relationship with God. There isn't. And not only that, God began to teach me from the Word. And so there was one month in my altar time, God says, in this next one month, read this chapter, Matthew chapter 6, again and again and again. And I want you to highlight. You see, that's why as you read the Bible this year, begin to interact with God on the Word. Ask God, what are you saying to me? Why am I interested in this verse? Why am I interested in this story? What are you trying to say to me? So I was dwelling on Matthew chapter 6. Then the Heavenly Father said this to me. As you call me Abba Father, I want you to notice what I do for you. He said, look at the word Father and look at the verb after it. For every verb after it, that's what's happening between you and me. Say to yourself, he said, so the verbs, right? The Father knows. You read Matthew chapter 6. It's a very good cell study. Just do this in the cell. The Father knows. The Father sees. The Father hears. The Father rewards. The Father knows what you need even before you ask Him. As you do that, in the morning, I would wake up for one month, I did that. Father, our Father my Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Father, you see. What does Father see? He sees my struggles. He sees my anxieties. He sees my desire to do certain things, but I cannot. He sees my struggles. He knows how much effort I put in. He knows also where I'm missing. He knows. But He knows it not in a judgmental way because it's love. He knows that this will not bring a breakthrough. And this was so when I fellowship with God, Father, you know. You know. You know me better than I do myself. Therefore, you know the breakthrough path. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your ways are higher than my ways. So that is a surrender. There's a peace about it. He knows. He knows what will bring breakthrough. If I don't follow him, I won't get that breakthrough. Then he says, I will reward. I will reward. You just follow me. That kind of interaction is what gave me strength understanding, perseverance, and love and devotion to the Lord. The secret of the prayer altar is that deep communion with the Lord. It must go through the world. And that is why I want to say this to you. These three thoughts is the key to breakthrough. So deep is that communion that now God can tell us, this part of your life, cut out. Now, listen to me. Every branch needs to produce fruit. But if you know how to plant roses or whatever, the key to the beauty of the rose bush, I can only do roses, I don't know how to do fruit trees, is actually pruning. So if we are to commune with God and He doesn't prune, it is a waste of time. We will never change and we would know that we are not pleasing God. Remember, the key to that friendship with God or for the presence of God to come is to court His friendship. And when you court His friendship, you must find out what pleases him and what is it in your life that's not pleasing to him. You know my husband, uh, so he courted me, right? I didn't court him, he courted me. And so he takes, this is about like the third or fourth date, right? This is the fourth or fourth date. And he takes me to this place, cannot be found anymore, somewhere in Ampang. And his favourite, favourite food is siham. You know a siham cockles, uh? And in those days, I don't see people serving that anymore. Praise the Lord. 
They serve the siham like that. They take the siham, they just dump it in the hot water and they take it all out and then they serve it. And my husband would say, whoa, all the blood oozing out of him and he eats it, you know, wow, wow. That's his favourite thing. And he's taking me on a date, courting me. I take one look at that and I said, I think I'm not going to date this guy anymore because I hate that blood oozing out of him. But you know what? Because I wanted his friendship, I wanted to court him as well. I die, die, I ate two. Lo. Oh, it was horrible. But you know why? We were courting each other. Amen? So you want to court the presence of God. Pruning is an essential part of it because there'll be many parts in our lives that cannot bring forth fruitfulness. And that is the meaning of the word consecration. Don't look at consecration as some big, big, holy, holy stuff that nobody understands. Think of it as if you want your rose bush to look even more beautiful and the flowers, you need to cut off some branches. Even though sometimes the branches we cut off, it looks so beautiful because the leaves are green, but it's useless. It's not going to produce rose. It's only going to produce leaves. In the same way, when God is, when we are building the altar, that is why the altar is powerful. In that deep communion with God, we allow the Father who knows everything, the Father who knows how to bring us the breakthrough, we allow Him to take away what is not going to help us and encourage us to lay it down, to lay it down on the altar, burn it up so that He can now cut it off and the life of God can flow in again. You know, let's read this verse, shall we? It's a beautiful verse. One, two, three. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. Now look at this. If you love me, follow me. Follow my words. Follow not just my teaching, but my instructions. If I tell you, now is the time to call the nation together, to build a firewall. You don't have faith, never mind. Just do it. As I do it, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit says, I will come and abide and make my home in your home. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Don't you want God to be inside your home? Inside your life? Inside your family? In fact, family altars are very powerful during the pandemic. During the pandemic, my sisters and I decided to build a family altar. Since all of us got nothing to do, we decided every week we would do it on Zoom. As we did it, the communion with God was so powerful. And then we decided we would take James Kawaya's cleansing of bloodline for 40 days. And every day we would pray. Do you know what's the result? The result was that my brother, who had already left the faith for donkey years, came back to God big time. Big, 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 big time. So big a time that today, in his office, he wanted to build an altar. And he did. And his office is in Australia, not in Malaysia. But the Angmor know nothing about this. This is the power of communing with God. That is our breakthrough. And you know something? You need that presence of God as you navigate life's difficult journey. I will tell you this story because it's simple. Many years ago, when we were in CP Tower, I was preaching at the first service. Uh, not first service, there were only two services. Yeah, I preached the first service, and then there would be the second. As I finished preaching and walked down the corridor, a man came up to me and looked at me in the face, and they said, you do not preach as good as your husband. Wow, what a hit in the face, right? Talk about confrontation. That was a confrontation. 
in the face. And I was just finished one, and I still have to preach another sermon. How do I go back up to preach, right? Praise the Lord for the altar. The key to whether you have built an altar is challenges like that. I don't know what took hold on me. The presence of God just overwhelmed me. And I was able to look at the man with great peace and composure. And you remember, you have to preach again, no? You need the peace and composure to preach. And I looked at him and I said, Thank you. My husband is a really good preacher. And that kind of silenced him. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Really, it's, life is like that. And really, you know, when you think about it, I was like, what was that? It is the presence of God. It is the presence of God. And that is why it is important that we realize that God wants us to in deep communion with Him. You see, it's like that. A prayer altar is not a prayer time, a devotion, a religious exercise, something that we do when we feel most holy and don't do when we're not. It's not. It's a lifestyle. And in that lifestyle, the deeper the communion with God, the deeper will be the revelation. God will reveal to you what is happening. What's happening in your life changes to be made. And because of the revelation, there's actually a flow of life. There's no stoppage between God and us. If we refuse to listen to Him, there will be a block. You see, there'll be a block between heaven and us. It's like a tree, the branch. If it's not, I don't know how a tree would block off the flow of sap and, and juices to it. But the moment we don't want it to connect with God or to commune with God, to listen to Him, there'll be a block. But the moment we don't, we don't we allow that block to be, uh, allow it, there's a flow of His life. And when there's a flow of His life, there'll be a greater anointing. And when there's a greater anointing, there will be a release of power. And everybody say, Amen. Remember you want a breakthrough? The key to the breakthrough is Jesus saying to you, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart, knocking. Invite me in. I will come in. I will fellowship with you. I will talk to you. I will give you wisdom, understanding, creativity, strength, overcoming endurance. This is what I promise to you. Why? Because I'm a covenant-keeping God. Amen? Amen. So, just to show you, go back to this year, 2024. The key verse is Exodus 2024. Make for me an altar of earth. Why did Moses, why was Moses told, do not use cut stones, do not embellish all your prayers and make it so religious looking. Just come to me in your brokenness. You know, Pastor Isaac, right? Isaiah 66. What is Isaiah 66 verse 1, 2 and 3? It says this, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. What man of house can you build me to contain me? The heaven contain, the can't even contain me. Where is my resting place? Where will I dwell amongst? And do you know the answer is in verse 3. He, this is the one that I esteem. Can you imagine God coming to you and says, I esteem you. Wow. I esteem you. I want to live with you. Who is it that God is looking for? He who is humble and of a broken and a contrite spirit. Why? Because a humble person, a person who has been... You know, when you've gone through a lot of challenges in life, you're kind of humbled because your ways are not going to work. Only God's ways is going to work. You're going to begin to realize, oh, God, in spite of me with my arguments, it is just not working. So I feel so broken. 
in that brokenness, come and build your altars. You do not build your altars when you've, wow, succeeded 40 days of fasting. I want to confess a sin, a sin or a failure. I was supposed to fast two weeks this, this year, January. I only managed one. The second week was a washout. This is the brokenness I have to feel. I struggle with fasting. But in my struggles, I come in that brokenness. Not as excuse, but in that brokenness. So it's not about being able to read 10 chapters and all that. It's not. Make an altar of earth in your humility, in your brokenness. Come to God. Surrender to Him. All your arguments, all, the, all that we think that we know what to do, we, we have answers for. God says, forgive, let go, and we hold on, gang, and hold on to it. Let it down. Let it be burnt away. Why do we want it burnt away? Because we want the sap to flow, the flow of life of God. Do you want the flow of life of God from you to, to you? Amen? We want that to go. And then thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a major part of the altar. Enter his courts with thanksgiving. His courts with praise, right? Begin to say, Lord, I really thank you. Though I am only a human being, Lord, I thank you. What is that man that you're mindful of him? You made the stars and the skies and the suns and all these things. But yet me, a man, a human being, why are you careful to look after me? Why are you mindful of me? I really thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that there's no condemnation when I come into your presence. You do not judge me. One of my favorite ones is this one. Lord, I really thank you. You have chosen me and you present, you have reconciled me to you and you present me before yourself, holy and blameless, freed of accusation. Lord, this is the strength of my altar. I'm freed of accusation. I accuse myself. But the Bible says God never comes in the altar to accuse us. He convicts us what must be cut off, but He never accuses us. That is the beauty of the altar, which is why we can now walk in covenant with God. One of the most beautiful things about the altar is that God is covenanted that He will never leave us nor forsake us, that His love cannot be taken away from us, that He can continue to lavish unfailing love to us and to all generations. That is the covenant God wants to keep. And though we, as we struggle to build the altar, slowly we will also know how to do our part of the covenant, which is to love Him, to enjoy Him, and also to obey Him. Now, I want us all to read this strong and loud. All right? Let's declare this strong and loud because this is the essence. This is where we want to be strong in. The altar is based on this covenant. Amen? So let's do this together. One, two, three, go. Okay, can we all do this together and really strong? Because this is the, this is the essence of the altar. God has covenanted with you and me that nothing can remove His love from us. So you want to declare, why don't we stand up? Let's stand up. Let's stand up. We're coming to, uh, let the musicians come up. Let's declare this so strong that no one, there's no measure of a doubt that God wants to dwell amongst us. Ready? One, two, three. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Amen? Amen. 
And not only that, one, two, three. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Amen. 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 That is an altar. That is an altar. I want to pray that every one of you, starting from now, when you go back tomorrow morning, you come together, husband and wife, on your own, whatever, and you declare this to yourself every day for the rest of January. As you do that, you're connecting to the reality of God. And as you connect to the reality of God, you start reading your Bible. You allow God to process you. Because in the end, that I want to remind you that three things about the altar. It is actually the presence of God will come to you. Everybody say the presence of God. Spiritual gateways. Open heaven. And because of that, we will have spiritual dominance. Let me just warn you. This is where it's real. Every altar has power. In, an, in a holy altar, we are courting the presence of God. And we're doing everything we can to make sure God is with us. In an unholy altar, they are also drawing in or courting the presence of evil. In any territory, in any taban, in any church, if the unholy altars are more active than the holy altars, the domination of the spiritual territory will belong to darkness. It is not an option, my brothers and sisters, about altars. If you and I do not build this kind of holy altar where the presence of God can dwell in our midst, the unholy altars there have succeeded in inviting the presence of evil and darkness. And it will have an effect on us. Therefore, our job going forward in 2024 is to make sure that our altars carry the presence of God. Our altars are aligned with God's desires. When that happens, fire comes down from heaven to earth and there's nothing the powers of darkness can do. If you agree with me, say Amen. Come on, say Amen. 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 We're going to worship with this song and then I'm going to open the altars. This is my desire for you in 2024, that together we will build prayer altars. Altars that allow God to be present. Altars that allow God to prune us so that we are more fruitful. We may be fruitful now, but we want to be even more fruitful. And not only that, we want a fruit that will last a thousand generations. And so if you want to have the presence of God in your family, in your workplace, and you're going through all kinds of things, today you say to yourselves, I've had enough of all this. I have enough of, you know something? Problems at workplace, someone could be building altars in that workplace and influencing that whole atmosphere. Nobody is building an altar to God. There's no fire, there's no open heaven. All the more, you must say, I will build my altar. I will come to that office and I'll be ready to lift up my hands towards God. I'll find like-minded people to just pray and worship God even for just one hour on a Friday. That's enough. Amen? If you are desirous of that or in your family, you know, no matter how many problems you have in your family, you are desirous. Just like my family, during the pandemic, we just did it on Zoom every day. Not every day, once a week, we came together. We just worship God, we read, we, we declare, and the Holy Spirit would tell us what to do. We just did that throughout the pandemic. Today, my brother, 
is wonderfully, wonderfully resurrected to God. This is what God's saying. I want a breakthrough. You want a breakthrough? The key is in the altar. So if you want a breakthrough and you're saying to yourself, I've had enough of this, I need a breakthrough, just come forward. The pastors, the leaders, the prayer leaders will pray with you because we want to bring our whole self to God. Amen. We want to be the dwelling place of God. All that I am. Amen.